Welcome to Married to History, where we try to be informative, entertaining, and family-friendly. Aloha, I'm Christopher. I have a fancy piece of paper in my wall, which means that all of you wish you could be me and how smart I am. Mm-hmm. Because it says that I know more about history than you do. Yes, yes. I'm Shirley. I'm a homeschool mom that relies on good curriculum, Christopher, and various historians on TikTok to teach our kids history. <laughs> TikTok fools. Before we get into our episode, let's take a minute to talk about something from a past episode. It's important to keep in mind that Shirley doesn't warn me ahead of time about what our topic is going to be. Yep, it's fun for me to see what he knows right off the top of his head, and that means sometimes you miss things. If you would like to hear a more comprehensive and well-prepared episode on any topic, just let us know. So, we don't really have a correction today, but I have put more thought into it. The which musical would MacArthur star in? As, as the story of his life. Okay. You realize that I really had no desire to actually have you answer this question. This was just a torment. No, I know, but I, but I, it, tor- it tormented me, and now I've put uh, some thought okay. into it. Okay. So the musical doesn't have to match up in details with the details of MacArthur's life. The whole idea is that it's just like a feeling, a vibe, if you will. So MacArthur is Jean Valjean from Les Mis. He's a strong character with a strong sense of justice. And he is going to do what he needs to do to survive and help those around him. And, and yeah, there you go. MacArthur is Jean Valjean. I stand by it. Okay. I know you care. All right. Well, honey, I have a history question for you today. I'll let Rotten Tomatoes judge that. (laughs) I have a history question for you today. I love history questions. I know you do. Now, this is going to be the second installment of our new series, Unimaginative War Names. Oh, goody. So I want to know, what the heck is the 30 Years War, and why couldn't they think of a better name for it? Uh, The 30 Years War. Mm -hmm. Why couldn't they think of a better name for it? I don't know, but mm-hmm. like many cases, it was not a unified period of from day one to 30 years later, they were in a constant state of fighting. There okay. were several different battles involved with the 30 Days War. I mean, war. usually, that's how or it several works. several different campaigns, I should say, involved within the 30 Days War. All right. So I cannot say that I remember correctly all the details of the 30 Years War. Okay. If I remember correctly, France is involved, Austria is involved, and Sweden gets involved for a time, and mm-hmm. Prussia also to a degree... If not actually Prussia, a lot of the war is fought in German territory. So that's why I think that Prussia might have been involved to a sway. Okay. Um, the most important thing for our, so so, um, so to answer your question, sorry, I do not know why they called it the 30 Years War or why they couldn't mm-hmm. have come up with something more imaginative mm-hmm. than the calling it the 30 Years War. If I'm remembering correctly, uh, a lot of it was part of because the Sweden had begun to expand its empire into the German territories or into Northern Europe. Mm-hmm. And either because of viewing him as a direct threat or because of, as is commonplace, claims to ancestral lands and holdings and whatnot from mm-hmm. the other royal families, France and Austria got involved in it as well. Okay. So, yeah, so yeah, I, I'm not overly familiar on all the details of this of the Thirty Years' War. But, um, so, so a couple of things that some people might enjoy. Uh-huh. Uh, the story of the Three Musketeers comes out about oh. during the time of the Thirty Years' War. Cardinal Richelieu, at least, is based on a real man. So no was way. Louis the Thirteenth, 
and they were king, and Cardinal Richelieu was a powerful man in France mm-hmm. at this time. Uh, whether or not, or how, how much of the details of the Three Musketeers are authentic to things that actually happened or not, I don't know. Probably not I at all. I don't recall ever reading of a story where um, where Richelieu tried to create a secret alliance with Buckingham. I don't hmm. remember reading any of the exploits of any four particular musketeers. Hmm. But uh, the most significant thing, uh, history-wise, to come out of the Thirty Years' War is that at the end of it, the religious wars in Europe are over. So since the time of the Protestant Revolution, uh-huh. uh, beginning in about the 1500s, Catholics and Protestants have just been going madhouse yeah. at each other, killing each other uh, all over the place, declaring war on whole countries just right. over which, uh, which branch or which uh, faction of Christianity mm-hmm. that you followed. After the conclusion of the Thirty Years' War, the Treaty of Westphalia is signed. Westphalia is an un, uh, unincorporated German mm-hmm. territory uh, at the time. And in this treaty, again, the most significant detail, I think, for world mm-hmm. history, or at least for Europe's history, is the condition that, all right, religious grounds is no longer, or uh, religion is no longer acceptable grounds for declaring war in Europe. So the Catholics right. and the Protestants agree that, all right, we're not going to be declaring war on each other anymore just because one of us is Catholic and one of us is Protestant. Or we're not going to declare war for religious reasons anymore. How long did it take them to get to that point? Uh, Generations. uh, The better part of 200 years, if not more. Dang. Better late than never, I suppose. Okay, first of all, a couple things. Uh, Westphalia sounds like the setting of a fantasy novel. Okay. And two, what time period are we talking uh, 30 Years of War, if I'm remembering correctly, was early to mid-1700s. That means nothing. So that's... <laughs> that means nothing! No, you can't go high-pitched directly How does the that mic. mean nothing? <laughs> so let me continue. <laughs> Telling me the year doesn't help as much as giving me, like, a point of reference. So this is obviously pre-World War One. Okay, I know that much. Okay, what did you say? 1700s? Early 17 to mid 1700s. This is before, so this is before the French Revolution. Revolution. This is before the American okay. Revolution. Okay. This is before this. This is before the Seven Years' War. Okay. This before gunpowder. This is before Versailles has been built. Okay. Cool. And where did it happen in France? The Seven Years' War. No. No. Thirty. I, sorry, Thirty Years' War. The Thirty Years' War was fought, I believe, mostly in what is today German territory. Westphalia. Westphalia is one of the German territories. I do not know specifically where all the fighting happened during the Thirty Years' War, but I believe the majority of it took place in the German territories. But again, Germany was not a united country at this time. Okay. Sorry, you probably said this already. So what started it? I don't remember for sure what started this one, so... um, Just pebble, petty squabbling again? If I'm remembering correctly, the king of Sweden was, Mm -hmm. uh, I want to say Frederick the Great, Uh, I might be remembering wrong, Mm. Uh, he was trying to expand his empire. Mm -hmm. I do not remember what specifically was causing him to want to expand his empire, Mm -hmm. if it was just the typical reasons of, oh, I want to be more powerful and I have the means, or if it was another classic case of, oh... Uh, he had claim to some lands and some of the other countries or big powers in Europe weren't letting him have those lands or it was disputed. So he used the military to resolve the dispute. Naturally. Uh, so, yeah, I think most of the Thirty Years War was fighting between Sweden, which was Protestant at the time, and Austria and France, which would have been Catholic at the time. Uh-huh. Most of the German territories that they would have been fighting in would also have been Protestant because uh, oh. I think only Westphalia and Bavaria, or at least they were the two the two biggest southern 
German factions that were still Catholic. I think mm-hmm. most of the rest of Germany was Protestant. Yeah. Uh, the Netherlands might have also gotten involved. England might have gotten involved as well. But I think if the Netherlands and England had gotten involved, their involvement was probably not quite as on par as I want to say France, Austria, and Sweden's would have been. Uh-huh. And this is all assuming that I'm remembering the details right. It's entirely possible that the operation <laughs> I'm thinking of with Sweden expanding was something entirely different. Yes. So was it Frederick the Great or just like Frederick the Okay? I think that's it. Frederick the Second, Frederick the Great. It wasn't Frederick the Okay. To the best of my knowledge, there is no Frederick anywhere in the world that was written down in history as being Frederick the Okay. Anything's possible. Anything Especially is possible. Especially with those Vikings. Okay. Anyways, so then it ended 30 years imagine, later. Nah, I'm going to take that back. I don't think there was ever a Frederick the Okay. Because my guess is if there was ever a Frederick o- the mm-hmm. Okay, he would have been defeated in battle, conquered by some other dude. And that dude would have made sure that he would. That, <laughs> let's say that he was a. That Frederick the Okay was conquered by. Olaf the Awesome. Olaf would have changed his name to Olaf the Great and would have made mm-hmm. sure that all history recorded uh, Frederick the Okay as Frederick the Weak. Mm. Yeah, that's possible. Okay, so 30 years later it ends, and finally they say, yo, we can't fight over religion anymore. Yes. And then everything that's is peaceful one, That's in one ever of since. the conditions. No, everything is not peaceful in Europe because Europe is full of bitter squabbling of families and factions, I would dare say, yep. even still today. Yeah. So yeah, they decided that they weren't going to use religion as a justification mm-hmm. for war anymore. They still found reasons to declare war on one another. Well, I guess yeah, you can always find something to fight over. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any other details that you'd like to share about the Thirty Years' War? No, actually, I don't. I, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff in there, but no, I, I don't remember that much about it. So it's just the background setting for Three Musketeers. That that's all anyone cares about. It's not the background setting for the Three Musketeers. It's more like the Three Musketeers is a, is a story that has kind of a connection to it. No, the, the significant thing of it is how it changed the okay. how it changed the conflict between the Catholic and between Catholics and Protestants in Europe. Mm-hmm. So uh, okay, so something like this doesn't go into the Thirty Years' War, but this is a common misconception in our mm-hmm. culture today. So uh, remind me, what is the Second Amendment to the Constitution? Uh, right to bear arms. Very good. Right to bear arms. And largely, I think, because of the language that's in the Constitution, or rather in the Second Amendment, the a rights. lot of people think that the idea behind the right to bear arms was so that we can have a militia. So I've heard a lot of arguments. The idea that ah, the, the Second Amendment is in there because we're supposed to be able to have a militia, or uh-huh. the Second Amendment is in there because we need to be able to resist the government. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say there are others too, but those are the two big ones off the top of my head. So of the two, I think the second one is the more true. And mm-hmm. um, this is where a uh, historical study, I think, gives us a precedent for this. Okay. So the earliest that I know, at least, the earliest uh, source or uh, inspiration, I guess you could say, for mm-hmm. the Second Amendment. Why did these formerly British citizens, now American citizens, think that, no, we need to be able to have guns, have weapons to protect ourselves? I assumed it was because the British troops tried to disarm the Minutemen. That is certainly one of the elements to it, but this is something that goes back further in oh. British or English culture. Than okay. That. In, I don't remember at what point this was added. This was definitely added at some time in or around the time of Cromwell, or rather the time that they got rid of Oliver Cromwell mm-hmm. and brought the English monarchy back. Mm-hmm. One of the conditions that I want to say, they got either Charles II to sign off on this, or they got William and Mary to sign off on this after him. Okay. was the condition that all Protestants, so it started off as being a Protestant rule, all Protestants oh. are allowed to keep weapons. 
The reason being because oh. going back to the memory of Queen Mary, Bloody Mary and her time, uh-huh. Catholic mobs, sometimes government inspired and sometimes just your neighbors out looking yeah. for some fun, would go out, find the Protestants and kill their Protestant neighbors or no subjects way. or whatever. So the Protestants in England uh, uh, made sure that this was a condition that went into the English Bill of Rights, that the Protestants have the right to have weapons to protect themselves. And the goal was to protect themselves from, yes, the government, mm-hmm. if the government ever came to try to kill them again for their religious beliefs, yeah. but also to protect them from mobs of their neighbors as well. So it was a legitimate protection clause. Wow. It wasn't that they wanted to be able to have guns so they could go go out and just willy-nilly shoot and murder anybody they wanted to. Uh-huh. Quite the opposite. It was to discourage anybody out there, at least Catholics at the time, yeah. from wanting to do the same. So this law didn't specifically disarm Catholics, but it armed Protestants? Yes, it did not disarm Catholics. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think all citizens were probably disarmed at the time. You weren't allowed to have weapons unless the king authorized it or uh, unless there was some other condition to it. But yes, the Mm -hmm. Protestants wanted to make sure that if nothing else, there's a rule in there that says not only can we keep them, but Mm -hmm. you can't take them away from us. So that that way we are always able to defend ourselves yeah. from from the government, from bad kings or bad leadership, mm-hmm. and from our neighbors. And that right. so that happens at the uh, tail end of the 1600s or beginning of the 1700s. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's been in British, if not English, culture for about a century at the time the American Revolution ends. Wow. And throughout history, this is something that we can see. One of the first steps whenever there's the fear of rebellion or whenever a government, be it monarchy or otherwise, Mm -hmm. is going to try to crack down on its citizens, is going to try to take some power, is to disarm the population, make sure they can't fight back. You've heard of the battles of Lexington and Concord Uh in the American Revolution. I think every kid has taught the story about the Minutemen. What I don't think a lot of kids learn about that because we hear that, oh, brave American soldiers, Minutemen stopped and fought them at Lexington and Concord. But they don't know that the reason why there were battles at Lexington and then at Concord Uh is because the British were on their way to Fort Ticonderoga under specific orders to steal those guns and the ammunition there so that the colonials couldn't fight back. Right. Now, something that you'd said was really interesting to me. I think when I have thought about the wars in Europe between the Catholics and the Protestants, I've always thought about it in the context of the leaders. So, you know, Elizabeth is what? Protestant? Elizabeth Elizabeth is Protestant. She promised her sister Mary that she would restore the Catholic Church uh, when she became queen. That was a condition of Elizabeth being uh, becoming Mary's heir. But yeah, Elizabeth she didn't. didn't do that. Either way, so I don't know if that's the best example, but but we when we switch between monarchs like that and they switch their allegiances, then we end up with like Bloody Mary. We end up with all these this bloodshed and war and you know, people being killed in the country and wars with other countries that are the wrong, the quote, wrong religion. Mm-hmm. But I've like I've always just kind of assumed or had this picture in my head of the general populace just kind of like living their lives. Well, that's usually the case. The general population usually does live there. So I like think I, this idea of it. mobs going out and being like, are you baptized Catholic well, okay. or Protestant? Well, let's compare it to the United States today. So mm-hmm. this is very conservative. I don't have any statistics to back up okay. the numbers that I'm going to use. Got it. Uh, so th- th- these numbers are going to be prone to error. But let's say that 
30% of the population of the United States are Republicans. Mm-hmm. 30% of the United States population are Democrats. And okay. when I say that, I mean that like they're, they're the hardcore loyalists. They are going to vote Republican. They're going to mm-hmm. vote Democrat. That's still at least 40%. So the majority, or rather a number of people larger than any one of the other groups mm-hmm. in the middle that don't care or just want to live their lives or want to be neutral, whatever the case might be. Or are a different party or swing both ways. And because of that, because they are the the not caring ones, the moderates, the ones that just want to like sit there and just go about uh-huh. their lives, that also means that they are not organized, whereas the other oh. two are organized. Uh-huh. And so even though it's a smaller group on both sides, the organization of these other two sides, the the conservatives and the liberals, especially mm-hmm. if they're inspired to use violence as a means of getting their way, yeah. are going to go at each other. That means they're going to have to go through the moderates to get at each other. Uh-huh. And any moderate that they find that isn't willing to take up the quote unquote cross or take up the mantle yeah. of their cause is probably going to get hurt by... Better example of this, I'm going to say, I'm going to point at Vietnam. Okay. So American soldiers, UN soldiers are in Vietnam, and mm-hmm. this is true of Korea too, but I'm going to stick with Vietnam, uh, are in Vietnam. But then there's also the Northern Vietnamese Army and the Viet Cong, which mm-hmm. were the element of the uh, communist military wing that was in South Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So the Americans are going to all these independent villages. A lot of these people have no stake in this fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, okay, doesn't matter who is going to win if the uh, if the South Vietnamese government wins or the North Vietnamese mm-hmm. government wins. Most of the people in this village are still going to be farming or fishing or yeah. doing whatever the heck they're doing. It's the only thing that's going to be different is, all right, who's going to come by and collect their taxes? That's basically the only difference. Uh-huh. But so the Americans show up and say, hey, uh, we, we, need your, we need you to help us beat these bad guys. The villagers say, okay, yeah, we'll help you. Well, the Americans mm-hmm. aren't going to stay there forever. Eventually, the Americans are going to go on and look for the bad guys. Right. Bad guys come. I shouldn't say the bad guys. They're going to. Americans are going to go off and look for the Viet Cong. Viet Cong comes into the village and says, "Hey, we saw you helping the Americans. What's up with that? Whose side are you on?" If the village doesn't switch sides, then they're immediately the Vietnamese. The Viet Cong are going to kill them or hurt them, punish them in some way. So uh, either because they will, the villagers will willingly switch sides to the Viet Cong mm-hmm. or will submit to the Viet Cong or are forced, compelled into serving the Viet Cong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and it doesn't work out for the village. Probably a lot of people are going to get hurt there. Mm-hmm. And even if the Viet Cong don't end up hurting anybody in that village, eventually the Viet Cong is going to walk away. The Americans are going to come back mm-hmm. and they're going to say, hey, whoa, 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 we, we had a deal here. How dare you betray us? And so the Americans are now going to be put in a position where they're going to start hurting these people. Right. And so in each case, it's not necessarily that they, that, um, these, that these people in the middle did anything wrong. It's that they didn't commit to a side. And because they would not commit to a side, mm-hmm. neither side really has reason to trust them. And because neither side trusts them, there are always people, unfortunately, on both sides that are going to mm-hmm. say, better to kill what you can't trust than oh, to gosh. allow what you can't trust to betray you at some point. And to be fair, an awful lot of the travesties that happened in the Vietnam conflict Mm -hmm. are because um, uh, foreign soldiers get ticked off when locals aren't loyal to them, even Mm -hmm. after they've done supposedly nice things for the locals or because the, the Viet Cong or the North Vietnamese will punish people for doing nice things for Mm -hmm. the foreign soldiers. Okay, that and this is something that so that, yeah. this is just something that happens in warfare all throughout warfare all generations of time throughout history. There are people in the middle that don't have a stake in the fight that don't care and because uh, but because they're not willing to take up the mantle or because they want to be peaceful or for whatever their reason they get punished by the people on the by the, the by the extremists on the two sides. 
I see. And when you put it like that, it makes a lot of sense to me. But I'm just having a hard time imagining, let's say, Great Britain during the times of like it's switching between Protestant and Catholic monarchs. Like if I'm a Catholic, mm-hmm. that's I, I'm a Catholic only because that's what I was raised as. That's that's how I grew up worshiping. When a new Protestant monarch comes in, like, okay, I get it. They're going to come through. They're going to tear the crosses off the wall in my church that I go to. They're going to give me a different Bible or whatever it is. Maybe they're going to kill my priest and put in a new priest. I don't know. But, like, but I'm still a Christian. I'm still going to be reading the Bible, and I'm still going to be praying to the same God. So but then, oh. but then I also, it's like, that stinks. But then I also have to worry about my neighbor's who actually care which re- if they're worshiping or like if they're giving fealty to the Pope or not. I have to worry about them coming to my house at night and burning me, like killing my family. So that happened? You're, you're making, yes, all of that happened. You're making the common uh, misconception or the common difficulty, I would say, of you're using what you know, the life that you've lived, yeah. and trying to compare it to a time and a place that you did not live through. Right. So, yeah. Back in the, the back in this time period, people were happy to kill heretics, if you will. If you're Catholic and all of a sudden there's a Protestant mm-hmm. in charge, well, the Protestants, uh, they're going to say, oh, yeah, we're going to get back at all those Catholics for thousands of years yeah. of Catholic oppression and whatnot. And they're going to and they're going to be some that are going to go gaga. They're going to be others who are going to be stirred up to uh, to be uh-huh. dissenters and to be violent and to, and to whatnot by just a couple of guys in the. So uh, mm-hmm. there's plenty of examples like this in history too. Hitler is an excellent example. The mm-hmm. part the Nazi party existed before his time, but his charisma, he inspired yeah. the people to do things that were never really in the party's charter originally. Same way okay. with uh, with any kind of civil civil conflict that goes on uh, and even in the United States today. How many champions are there on the right and on the left? Trump is an excellent example of uh-huh. this. You've got examples on the left too. I can't think of anybody um, particularly. Like AOC. Oh sure, okay. AOC is the type of um, like that where she, with her voice, with the things that she's saying, she is capable, uh, mm-hmm. like Trump is, of rallying people that might otherwise have been content to just say, "Oh, I lost the election. Okay, I'll get another okay. chance in four years." No, but of rallying them, inspiring those people to say, to chant, to do more yeah. things that they might not otherwise have been willing to do. I I hmm. could be wrong, but like in my personal opinion, I think that that is happening more and more today. That there are that a lot of the moderates in the middle mm-hmm. are and instead of the middle group growing because of recognizing the, in my opinion, the foolishness of, the of extremes on both mm-hmm. sides. I think a lot of people are flocking to the extremes of both sides, and that's dangerous because yeah. the more people flock to the extremes, then the more the middle disappears. Then that means that there it's probably going to be conflict and it's probably yeah. going to be a violent one as well i'm not saying yeah. i wish that i am not saying that that is conclusive but history suggests something that, that to worry. is what would happen yeah something to worry about something to worry about yes and uh, and i wonder too uh, how much of it how much of these people that are no longer in the middle but are going to one extreme or another mm-hmm. how much of that is due to they're afraid of what one side or the other is going to do to them if they stay neutral mm-hmm. how much of it has been inspired because they saw somebody or they believe somebody on one side or the other yeah. did something super bad and they can't tolerate that so they're going to go to the other there yeah. have been times where travesties have been perpetrated by one side blamed on the other side so that they could get 
people who were in the middle, yeah. people who didn't want to take sides, oh, to absolutely. join their side. Yeah. The the false flag operation, uh, I believe, is what those things are called, where yeah. you convince people that, oh, you've been attacked by these guys. It was actually us just framing those guys. Right, right. Dang. So, yeah, so going back to the subject at hand, it's mm-hmm. a lot of this, and this is what Christians and Protestants were doing to each other. And Catholics every time. And Protestants. Yeah, Catholics and Protestants. So yeah, it, it didn't matter that you were all Christian, kind of like today, that, that there are lots of different Christian sects, and uh-huh. not every sect is cool with the idea that, oh, we're all Christians, yay. Some mm-hmm. of them are like, no, you worship Christianity wrong, so you're not really Christian. Right. Or even if you are, even if you do want to call yourself Christian, you're not the right kind of Christian. And I dare yeah. say that uh, Islam is the same. There are Sunnis and there are Shiites that don't like each other. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with any of uh, disputations that there might be between Jewish sects, but I imagine that there's probably some of those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would imagine the same could be true of every religion. Though I would admit it would be funniest, I think, to me if there were differences in. Uh, or if there were some differences like that in Buddha, because I don't know. You know. But now that I say that, yeah, I could see how some people would take Buddha one way or the other. Eh, sorry, I, I distract. I but don't yes, know. Catholics and Protestants not very keen on each other. And yes, every time that a Protestant comes to power, oh yeah, we're gonna get revenge on everything those Catholics did to us. Oh, then a Catholic suddenly comes back into power. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna get revenge on everything those Protestants did with us last time. Mm-hmm. Then a Protestant comes back to power, and we're back to the old way. Right. I would dare say we can easily compare this to. The Democrats and Republicans in the United States mm-hmm. today, while there aren't mobs going around hunting down and killing people, we are doing what I think despicable things anytime that one yeah. person gets into power. If like uh, there there was the inspiration that when Donald Trump became president, this was going to inspire a lot of right wing nationalists, mm-hmm. racist groups to to take a bolder stand on things. And I think that that was true to a degree, yeah, not they, to the degree that I remember people saying. But I think, yeah, they were emboldened because of this president. Yeah. Well, then Trump is out, Biden's in, and now different groups have mm-hmm. been inspired to, oh, yeah, now we're in power, and we're going to make every one of those people that loved and supported Trump, we're going to make sure that they have miserable, horrible mm-hmm. lives. And I dare say that whoever wins the next election, same thing's going to happen. Yeah. If Trump wins again, I wouldn't be surprised if all the forever Trumpers, I don't know what they're called. I don't if know. all the forever Trumpers are going are gonna to demand, hey, let's go on a campaign to really mess up the lives of all those never Trumpers or all those, or all those uh, Democrats who didn't vote for him. Or if Biden wins again or if some other person wins. I, I don't know. Yeah. But okay, but, but none of that was affected by the 30 Years War because the 30 Years War was... When that th- ended, so what we need—I would dare say—so uh-huh. what we need in the United States is something like the Treaty of Westphalia, okay. where we agree with each other that okay, we don't have to like each other, but let's stop using this as a reason to kill each other. Right, but what I'm saying is that other. that agreement stopped countries from fighting each other over religion, yes. but that wouldn't necessarily affect the in-country infighting. That had been happening. Correct. In country infighting, the local governments, yeah. the local kings, princes, whatever the case might be. Your neighbors or making a mob and would have been okay. uh, would have been responsible for taking care of those kind of conflicts. Okay. So it's it's not entirely different from the from the witch trials or the witch hunts mm. thing. You got these people that oh they they're feeling inspired. The law's not going to do anything to stop them, or rather, or they are the law and they're misinterpreting it. So yeah. they're going to go kill the people that they think are bad or wrong or dangerous. And, so, and this is another one of the things that I think extremists tend to do, mm-hmm. like um, the idea that how long is it going to be before it becomes the case where, no, we can't just peacefully live with these people mm-hmm. who disagree with us, who, who believe different things with us. No, mm-hmm. it's actually better or it's right or it's good to 
go out and kill them. Yeah. I know that I have already heard people saying things like that in our modern culture today. Yeah. And, and it's just ridiculous. But yeah, back uh, before our modern times, our modern cultures, our understandings, our hope, our improved understandings of uh-huh. tolerance and whatnot. Yeah, back in the days of the early to mid 1700s. Uh-huh. No, there wasn't a lot of that. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, at least the countries can't attack each other. Wait, does that still like... Do, that, that? So that's a really old agreement. It's obviously very much pre-Geneva Convention. Mm-hmm. Is that still a thing that all the countries agree on? Is that we shouldn't start a war just because of religion? So uh, while I can't say that the Treaty of Westphalia is technically still in effect, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not overly familiar with all the tenets of mm-hmm. the Geneva Convention. But yeah, I would imagine that there's that there should be something in there. Either there should be something specifically written in there, or mm-hmm. there should just be like the general understanding that we all at this table have that, yeah, we're not going to yeah. declare war on each other just because Germany has more Protestants than France does. Yeah, I would if hope gonna, that If France we're... and Germany are going to declare war with each other, it's going to be because France is being a baby, still hasn't gotten over <laughs> all the damage of World War II, or it's going to be because, uh-huh. because Germany is going to say, like, you know what, we're tired of French being a baby, we're just going to get rid of them and yeah. f- finish the job that we failed yeah. to do last time. Yeah. But that's a terrible thing to say. I don't think the German people are dumb enough to try no. to do that. Sorry, <laughs> that's not a nice thing to say. I don't think the German people are foolish enough to try to do something like that. Fantastic. I am a fantastic person, yes. Yes. So, 30 years... Book. You should write a book. You did. So, 30 years, that's all it took? Well, technically two centuries, but yeah, the 30 mean, years war. Because Catholics and Protestants have been killing each other okay, for yeah, two yeah, centuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the 30 years war really was about 30 years? Yes. Okay. And they couldn't think of anything more creative? The, probably because, again, it was probably not any one thing. It was probably several war. different periods of, of war struggle that just combined in and around the same small area. Mm. Awesome. It's very boring, and how am I supposed to remember if they don't have interesting names? Sometimes you do. Also, I'll, I'll admit that, yeah, I, I don't always remember. I mean, I, uh, yeah. I, the the only reason I know about the first Celtic War and the second Celtic War is because of German unification. Yeah. So, and yeah, I didn't, don't even get me started on uh, the war, how many mm-hmm. wars of Austrian aggression there were, how many <laughs> wars of succession there were. When, yeah. But yeah, you can't always... There's not a lot of people who, in order to be creative with military mm-hmm. names, mm-hmm. part of the thing would have to be, well, it has to be something unique. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these wars at this time are not unique. Oh, it's another king wants this land that nice. our king has said has been his land forever, or that that king says has been their land forever. So, yay, the kings mm-hmm. are all not liking each other. and cry. It'd be like you and I today fighting over, ugh, that fallen fence now that we share with our neighbor. Oh, it fell on my side again today, so I'm going to claim all that land today. No, he says it's his <laughs> land today. Also, look at that. Once again, they're fighting because of that stupid fence that neither of them wants to repair. So you would call it the fence war. Sorry, the foolish fence that neither of them wants to repair. So you so call, yes, it the we would call it the first, war, and the, the second, second, and the third, yeah, and the f- fourth see, French, uh, French fence war. But see, what I'm saying Maybe is... Maybe if it had gone long enough, we would call it the three-generation fence war. <laughs> Maybe that's the key. Because I was going to say, at least calling it the first fence war, the second fence war. Like, that makes sense. Like, that, that points to it a little bit, instead of just saying the two-month war. Like, that doesn't give me any details at all. But if you had too many fence wars, you just group them together and say, yeah, that, that, that took them 100 years. Okay, so curious. What is it, what, what, uh, I don't like I it. If I said the Punic Wars, is that a good enough name for you? Yeah. There were three. I don't, yes, but 
but that's good enough for you? Yeah, because Why? I could Google Punic War and it might like I might would be able to find out really quick time period and location. I, I would assume you, you type in 30 years war, you're going to get the same thing. Probably, but uh, I don't know. It just seems stupid. 30 years. Like, that doesn't tell me anything. But maybe I know what the word but punic I, but means. But you don't need to know anything. You just told me that you just needed enough information to Google something. But maybe if I was smart, I would know what punic means. Do you know what punic means? No, I don't. It's just, it's just the Roman word for Phoenician. <laughs> okay, so if I knew what punic I would know it had something to do with Romans and Phoenicians. But 30 years tells me nothing. I don't know if it's Europe. I don't know if it's Asia. Do you, I don't know do, if it's do you know, pre-Renaissance. Do you know who fought the punic wars? No idea. The Romans and Carthage. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 so Romans. The Carthaginian wars. The Romans and the Carthaginians. I don't the know. Carthaginians were descended from Phoenicians. So. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. That's a descriptive name. Okay. So what about the, the servile? What about the servile wars? I know there's there a, three of those at least. There's a cat called a servile cat. Anything oh. to do with that? No. But see, at least I have a guess. I have a place to start. Okay. <laughs> I know it's stupid, but that's fine. We're moving on. Oh, we are? Oh, yep, we're so done. There's another question. Oh, no, no we're just done. Done. All right. <laughs> Thank you. I feel you like for we talked more about not the 30 Years' War than we did the 30 Years' War. Well, yeah. I mean, when we bring up stupid uh, if wars. You, if you bring up something that I'm not overly familiar with, then I'm going to go on to the tangents <laughs> of what I am familiar with that's slightly or connected to that. Yep. And I think that the people know that that's what they come for. Mm. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, then please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave us a five star review. If you'd like to hear a future episode with more information about today's topic, contact us on Gmail, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok at Married to History Pod. Also, please contact us if you have a silly question idea or if there's something from history that you would love to learn about. Just know that if you pick a silly one, you're going to be dragging me ever closer to the day <laughs> of my grave because I'm, I'm getting too old for some of this nonsense. You love it. I will never you admit love to that. It. Be sure to say in your message if it is silly or serious because we don't want to treat a genuine quest for knowledge like a joke. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Okay, we're still good? Yep. It would appear that we are still good. Technical difficulties uh, are no longer difficulties. Yes. I could have come up with something better to say right there. That's, but uh, really my brain was you. farting. Of you. You're proud of me for having a brain fart? I don't. I've not. had many brain farts in my day, and you've never expressed being proud of me before. I'm not actually listening to you. That hurts. Didn't you swear once upon a time to like uh, listen to everything I say till the end of time, till uh, death do us part, something like that? I really don't think that's part of the vows. Okay, is I'd your like a second opinion? No, uh... oh, no, it's probably not. I should turn off the volume there, or you can just take my phone from me, and right. treat me like a child. Okay, I think we're good to go. Um, Stop working. Made you look. <laughs> <laughs>